in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. God is the Word, therefore. Who's loving this series? I'm loving every week, one attribute, unfolded, and, and if you want to, you can apply it. Next week, God is peace. The week after, God is Father. Crucial revelations on who God is. And when it's actually, when it's taken a hold of, and when it's applied, it will change the world radically. It will. I want to I take two approaches to this topic here tonight. The first one is that God literally is the Word of God. He literally is the Scriptures. You can't separate the Scriptures from God. Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and truth. It's, it's actually a part of Him. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It literally was God. That in itself is a pretty mind-blowing thing when you think about it. That when you, when you read these scriptures, you're actually you're reading Jesus. Every scripture, God-breathed and useful. So in other words, you can look at it as the, the Bible is Jesus in text form, and Jesus is the Word became flesh. So it's, it, it actually is Jesus. Isn't that in itself mind-blowing? That he's given us a, a piece of himself. In his sovereignty, he gave us a little chunk of who he is. He's revealed his promises. He's revealed his nature. He's revealed stuff in there that can only be, be gotten truly when it's, it's brought to life by the Spirit of God inside of us. So what revelation is, it's the Word of God illuminated and, and come alive so that it becomes a part of who I am. So the Word of God is the Word, therefore, I can get more of God in me by getting more of the Word of God in me, by getting more revelation on the Word of God inside of me and actually living that out. That means I can get more of Him. It says that He's blessed us in the heavenlies with every spiritual blessing and He gives the Spirit without measure. There's no limit. There's no limit to how much of Him we can have inside of us. It's, it's limitless. The more God you want, the more God you can get. The more you desire Him, the more you're going to get from Him. If you eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, which are part of who He is, you can have the gifts of the Spirit. But you've got to see that the, the, the emphasis and the onus is on us. If we draw near to God, He draws near to us. His Word is there. What we do with His Word is up to us. Hebrews 1.1 says, um, in, the past, in the past, in the past, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets on many occasions and in various ways. But in these last days, He's spoken to us through His Son whom he appointed heir over all things and through whom he created the universe. Now the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things through the power of his word. So much in that one little passage. In the past, in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. In the New Testament, God spoke through his son. And he sustains all things through the power of his word. So no matter where you look at it in the scripture, it's all about God and his word. He speaks through his prophets, he speaks through his son, and he holds everything together through the very power of that creative word. So amazing. One of my favorite studies um, is on messianic prophecies. You guys know what that is? Some do. Um, roughly a third of the Bible is prophecy. It's spoken through prophets and it's prophetic utterance about things that are yet to happen. That's what prophecy is. Um, so a third of the, the Bible is made up of prophecies. But 
three, there's over 300, about 340 messianic prophecies, which are prophecies specifically about the person of Jesus. And they were, they were fulfilled by the life, death, resurrection of, of himself, of Jesus. So you look at this and you look at the probability of this happening without it being divinely orchestrated. Um, it's wild. This guy, Professor Peter W. Stoner, he's a, you know, you know Stoner? Peter, Peter Stoner. He's a well-renowned mathematician and he published a book called Science Speaks, an Evolution of Christian, of Certain Christian Evidences. Okay. So what he did in this book, he actually put a mathematical equation upon messianic prophecies happening by chance. Stay with me. Hopefully I'll stay with myself. Okay, put it like this. If, if, you know when you go to the horse races? Who goes to the horse races? Yeah. Okay, we'll pray for you guys later. Um, you go to the horse races or you watch horse racing or any sort of gambling and they get an odd. Like the horse has one to three odds of winning or one to ten odds of winning. The higher the number to one, the less likely that it's going to win. Okay? Okay. So, over the, for the 300 plus messianic prophecies in the Bible, for the chance coincidentally taking place that eight of them were to come to pass in the person of Jesus, the odds were 1 to 10 to the power of 17. So that's like 1 trillion million. And that's just eight of the 300 plus prophecies. So you look at that in itself, you're a betting man, you're throwing your house on the table. Without, without blinking, you get given those odds, you're backing it. Okay, if 48 of the 300 plus prophecies were coming to pass... No, you are backing it. It's the chance, okay, you're backing the fact that it is divine. So that's the chances of it not being divine, okay? Yeah, yeah, stay. Yeah, I was confused as well, don't worry. We're all on this journey together. Um, for 48 of the prophecies to come to pass, it's 1 to 10 to the power of 157. So that's 1 to 10 with 157 zeros after it. All of the 340 prophecies were fulfilled by the person of Jesus. That's mind-boggling. Written over thousands of years through many, many different authors and prophecies. All these prophecies about the person of Jesus, specific things about where he was born and, and the circumstances of his birth and, and how he would die. and all, 340 plus, every one of them came to pass. If you give those odds to any sane human being... They can't ignore there's got to be something to it. They can't, they can't look at that and say, that's, that's great, but... Jay John says it like this. He goes, a lot of my outreach is done to, to Jews and to rabbis. And he said, this is how I do it these days. I sit down with them and I say, all right, let's get the Messianic prophecies out. You read one and I'll read one. And at the end of the 340, we'll see if it reminds us of anyone. Because <laughs> the Jews don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Yet... Their Old Testament, which they hold so true to, actually predicts and is fulfilled by the person of Jesus. It's, it's mind-blowing. But it's, it, it, those little things, like I can look at that and say, that in itself makes me so overwhelmed with what the Scriptures are, what the Bible is. It is God. It's God-breathed. It's divinely orchestrated. It's useful for correction, teaching, encouragement. In Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not... No, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all our sins, 
who heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. Such a beautiful psalm written way before the cross, yet it's so understood, like the psalmist David who wrote it, hundreds of years before the cross took place, had such an amazing insight into what Jesus was going to accomplish on the cross. Forgiveness of sins, healing of diseases, redemption of every tough circumstance. Isn't that in itself, you look at these psalms and you're like, most New Testament believers don't have a grasp of our grace like David did. Yet he lived so far before the cross. How much more us, New Testament, spirit-filled believers, how much more can we hold on to the Word of God? How much more can we get these promises, live them out, apply them? When we're going through something tough, what do we do? In James 1.22, it says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourself, do what it says. He who listens to the Word and doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And after going away, immediately forgets what he looks like. We've got to realize that this is who we are. We're becoming more like the Word, more like Jesus. And the way we do that is by memorizing, meditating, and obeying the Word of God. Steve Furtick says most believers are educated beyond their level of obedience. And it's so true. We know all this stuff, but do we live it out? We, we get all this teaching, but are we, are we applying it to our lives? Is it shaping who we are? Does it determine my priorities? Does it determine my values? Does it determine everything I do in life? Is it determined by this, the living word of God? Or are we determining it based on circumstance or emotion or, or other influences in our worlds? The media, what, whatever it is. What, what shapes us? What molds us? What, what do we hold true to? Um, when I do some pastoring, I'm going to do a bit of pastoring one-on-one with you right now. Um, when I catch up with people and I, I, I sort of explore, hey, what's going on in your world? And they're going, oh, I'm struggling with this. And me defaults to the question of what scripture are you standing on? And so often the response is either it's, it's sort of a scripture. Like they'll, they'll say something and you're like, yeah, where's the reference to that one? It might be something they've heard, it might be someone else's revelation, it might be whatever, but it's not the Word of God they're standing on. And I, I ask him, what, my job as a pastor is not to get people to come to me, it's to get people to go to God. Our job as connect group leaders is not to win people and draw people to ourselves, but to direct them back to their Saviour, their Messiah. And the way they do that is by getting into a position of faith, which is only possible by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. So I, I often say that to them, and it's funny the response you get. People get really offended when you try to give them a scripture. Like, oh, well, you don't obviously have one that's real. Let, let, let me give you an actual scripture. So I give them a scripture, and, and they, they get offended. They're like, oh, I don't, want, I don't want a scripture, I want support. Or don't preach at me. I'm sitting there going, maybe if you started preaching it yourself properly, we wouldn't have to have this catch-up. <clears throat> but, but people tell me, don't preach at me, and I'm like, well, preach it yourself. The Word of God is there for you to proclaim and confess and know. When Jesus wrestled with the, with the devil in the, in the wilderness whole situation, he's quoting the Word of God. In the whole, that whole saga. <laughs> that whole trilogy. <laughs> but, but like Jesus role modeled, he is the Word became flesh, but he showed us how important it is to know it and to fight with it. To fight the good fight of faith by fighting to stand on the Word of God. Yeah. 
despite circumstance, despite, despite everything you're facing in life, what are you standing on? What's your foundation? What's your rock? Because the more of the word in you, the more of Jesus you have in you. The more, the more area you can have faith in. It's impossible to have faith if it's not in the word of God. You know, that's a pretty wild thought in itself. Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone speaks to this mountain and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says shall happen, it will be done for him. The, our faith is directional and our faith is in God. In 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about the spirit of faith. You've heard me say this a few times. It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. With the same spirit of faith, I believe and therefore speak. So literally what faith is, the spirit of faith is, it's knowing, believing and confessing what's written in the word of God. God is the word, therefore we can get more of Jesus in us by getting more of the word in us. That's the first angle I want to take. Angle number two, this is going to get a bit heavy. It's going to get a bit real and it's going to get a bit close to home. It's the whole area of integrity. <laughs> God is his word. He's not a man that he can lie. When he promises something, it always comes to pass. His word will never return void, but always accomplishes that for which it was sent. God is his word. We are made in his image and likeness, therefore we are our word. Ouch. What integrity is, it's when your words and your actions line up. They match. Even when no one's looking. It's so funny how we can do that when people are watching. The two examples I want to give is one, your workplace, and two, your commitments. Let's start with your workplace. So when you get a job, you have an agreement with your boss of how many hours you're going to be paid for. So that's, that's us saying, I give my word to fulfill the hours that you're paying me for. And my question today is, are we actually working the hours that we're paid for? Are we people of integrity? Is our witness one that gives Jesus glory? This, for me, weighs even heavier on my mind because I get paid by the church, which is the tithes and the sacrifices of the believers. So this is something for me that's... So I try never to switch off. If I have a slack day at work, I'll be up early working before I come here. Or if I go on a holiday, I'll be working. Recently, I went to, I went to Byron with, with my wife for a wedding, with Tiles, and um, I was answering emails the whole time we were there, and people were like, you're on holidays, why are you answering emails? And my response was, well, you don't holiday from the call of God. You don't. You don't, oh, I'm on holidays now. No longer a pastor, no longer a believer. Ah, oh, this is easy. No longer a connect group leader, no, no longer whatever. When God gives you something, it's our job to be faithful with what he gives us, and then he'll entrust us with much. You don't holiday from your calling. You don't, it's not a nine-to-five thing. As a connect leader, it's not a nine-to-five thing. It's not, well, that's inconvenient to deal with that person's issues at this hour, therefore I won't. It's not. It is inconvenient to have people sleeping on your couch. <laughs> but it's, like, it's, it's not convenient to go out of your way. But the whole purpose and the whole satisfaction in the Christian life is dying to self and serving God and serving others. That's where satisfaction comes. The call of God isn't draining, it's reviving, it's refreshing. 
I'm most alive when I'm doing something for his kingdom. When I'm running connect groups, when I'm leading teams, when I'm preaching, I'm, I'm most alive. That preparing for a message is, it's daunting, it's over, every time it's, you know, it, you have sleepless nights, you're wrestling with thoughts. I love it, but when I get to come up and I know that it's only a couple of minutes and I'm off. You literally, it feels like you're giving birth to something and you've got to wrestle with God to get something to give. I, I actually love that, that whole process of preparing a message for connect group or catching up one-on-one with someone and spending time pushing into God and saying, God, what's your heartbeat? What's for this? Give me wisdom. What, what's going on? Like, I love that. That's, that's where life is found. Now, I'm, I'm not saying be ridiculous and, and burn yourself out. Have boundaries. But you'll, if, if you bleed it, if, you, if you're consumed by it, it's not a burdensome task. It's not. So I'm on holidays and we're op shopping. And I walk into a shop and I'll look around and I'm done. I know there's nothing in there for me. Tali needs to look at every item on every shelf. So that gives me a bit of spare time to deal with something like answer a few emails. So instead of me, like in the past, I'd either nag her to go to the next shop. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, let's go. We're done. Or, or I'd go to the next shop without her. Both I don't recommend <laughs> as a boyfriend or husband. Not cool, apparently. Not cool. So what I, what I learned to do is in that morning, like I'll, I'll get up and I'll be praying about change, about mission trips, about pursuit. I'll be praying about all these things. By the way, next week, big announcement on one of those, things just, one of those three things I just mentioned. <laughs> Read between the lines. <clears throat> We're launching something next week. And it's not a mission trip. <laughs> and it's not change but okay I'll wake up and I'll be praying about what I'm involved in I'll be, I'll be praying about it and I'll be thinking about it and I'll be bleeding it and there'll be stuff that I'm wanting to do straight away there's stuff I want to action so in that moment where I'm waiting for my wife to peruse through a, you know, a store for an hour and a half I can sit there and answer a few emails and it's not a draining burdensome thing it's me living the call of God it's me it's me doing what consumes my heart. It, 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 it's, 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 it's everything to me. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that he had so much more in store for me, but because of my lethargicness, because, because I wasn't faithful with what he gave me, because I wasn't diligent, because I wasn't hardworking, because I wasn't humble enough, that I missed out on everything that he had in store for me. That would be a scary day to come to the end of your life and realize that you wasted so much of it. That to me is part of the drive to keep going, to wake up every morning and to prioritize His presence and His Word. It's, it's a healthy fear of God. It's a, it's a knowing that He's always with me. It's not being afraid of Him, but it's having a, a healthy reverence for who He is. God is the Word, therefore we are our Word. What, what does your Word say? Does, does your Word show that you have integrity? Or does your Word show that you have deception? Does your word show that you're a person that carries yourself in a way that, that is honorable? Or do you agree with things that, or do you say things that you don't actually follow through with? First service this year, we had a vision service. Remember the vision service we had? And we had the survey and there was all those boxes to tick about the requirements of being a change leader, about what you're willing to commit to. Some people were quite flippant with that. And they just, they didn't really think twice. They wanted to be called a change leader, so they ticked the box, but they never actually followed through with what they were agreeing to. Some people, like Andy Bush, let's give it up for Andy Bush. 
So some of the requirements were, you know, I'll serve a change every week, I'll attend leaders' meeting, I'll go to Sundays, I'll be involved in Connect Group. So these were the things that we agreed to to become an official change leader to, for, for a whole stack of reasons. Andy didn't tick the box that said I wanted to become an official change leader. And he's one person that I thought would have. So I actually called him the day after and said, Andy, I noticed you didn't tick the box, what's the go? Um, not putting pressure on him, I'm not saying, hey. I was just saying, why didn't you? I actually thought that you would. And he said to me, look, I can't commit to serving at the sound desk every single week of change. So I didn't feel like I could have enough integrity by ticking the box if I couldn't do that. And I'm sitting there going, that's the type of guy I can work with. The Bible talks about there's a father with two sons. Father with two sons. One said, the father said to the first son, go work in the vineyard. And the first son said yes, but never went. And the second son said no, but ended up going. So they both actually didn't do what they said, but one person weighed up his commitments and actually was obedient anyway. That's what Andy did that night. He said, I can't do it. But he's the most diligent, faithful connect leader I know. He's the most, he's the most humble, servant-hearted guy I know. He responds to my group text frequently, which is a very big one for me. That's, he holds a special place in my heart for doing that. And he's single. Oh, what the... Ladies, get your... He has a six-pack. He has a six-pack. <laughs> Al's informing me. <laughs> but, like, a man... <laughs> like, a man of incredible character that he's so... He's, he catches up with me all the time. He says, can we catch up? And he just says, can you speak into my world? Can you shape me? Can you correct me? Can you... And I'm like, it's a dream leader to work with. Where some people, they tick the box and they haven't been to a leaders meeting since. Or they tick the box and they're not really faithful with what they're committing to. So we've got to ask ourselves, the purpose of this is not to get guilty. It's not to get um, disheartened or disempowered. The purpose of this is to look at ourselves and say, what type of person am I going to be from this moment on? This can be a defining moment for many people. My conscience is very sensitive. So if I say I'm going to do a thing, I actually do it. Otherwise, I get so guilty. Uh, that, you know, that, that burden of, I hate that. But I get, I get that so easily. So I'm very careful with what I'll agree to these days. I won't be flippant and just throw away. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. So we've got to look at our, how we carry ourselves in our workplace. When we say something, do we follow it up with our actions? Are we people of integrity? Are we people that understand that we are our word? Because God is His Word. It's something that smashed me a while back. And it's something I've tried to work out. Like I've tried to live it out. You always stumble. You'll always make mistakes. But the righteous fall seven times and they get up again. When we do have those stumbling moments, it's our job to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, repent, turn 180, and just walk towards Jesus. And the more humble we get in these, in these things, the more like Christ we're going to be the more we go, okay, why didn't I do it? What wasn't in me that needs to be in me? What fruit of the Spirit? What revelation? What scripture? What do I need to get in me to make sure I don't do that again? Because I don't want to be that person that falls, then justifies, then falls, then justifies. That's where you slip out of the will of God. You slip out of intimacy. You slip out by compromise after compromise, deception after deception, temptation after temptation. You say one thing, but you do the opposite. 
we've got to realize that we serve a loving God who knows all things. You can't, you can't pull the wool over his eyes. You can, you can deceive your parents. You can deceive your friends. You can even deceive yourself if you want to. But we can't trick God. He's, Galatians 5.5, 5, I think it says. It says, so it's something great. It's not in my notes. Can't be deceived. He who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature reaps destruction. Really good scripture about you can't deceive God. Anyway, you get the gist. You get the gist. <laughs> but we gotta, we got to look at ourselves and we got to look at God and say, do we desire sincerely to have more of Him on the inside of us? Are we sitting there every day, not just reading the Bible, but getting it in us, chewing it over? When you realize what it is, when you realize how divine it is, when you realize that it is Jesus, it's the gateway of faith. It is, it is the fourth member of the Trinity. <laughs> Which kind of is an oxymoron because Trinity is three. So we're going to bump one of the other guys. <laughs> but it's, we've got we to treat it for what it is. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit. It is spirit and truth. It brings freedom and wholeness. Let's just bow our heads as we come to, come to a close. God, I thank you right now that every person here starts to think about their own life. And God, if we need to repent, we repent. I know I do all the time. I want to be a person of integrity that brings you glory. I thank you, God, that everything we commit to, we see to completion. We live our lives by, by the commitments that we make. When the feelings aren't there, we hang on to commitment. When things seem tough, we hang on to our commitments. Just like in a marriage where there's some seasons where, where the lovey-dovey feeling may not be there. But what gets you through is a deep, deep commitment. As Lisa was sharing the offering, we've got to strengthen our stakes. Right now, God, the stake of the Word of God in our lives, we strengthen. We make a commitment in your presence to strengthen that stake. God, let our words and our actions marry up. When we say a thing, we follow it through. We can be like Andy, as he exampled being conscious of the commitments that he makes. Let us all have that level of awareness. Let our yes be yes, let our no be no. So right now, God, if you need to just get into our hearts and, and just, just fix things up. If we need to repent, I pray that in this space we can just have that, that repentance. We can turn around and say, God, we're sorry. We receive forgiveness and we turn the other way. When no one's looking, it doesn't change the fact that we've said a thing. In our workplaces, our boss looks at us and sees that we don't slack off, but we work above and beyond. We're selfless and we serve our bosses. We're a blessing to the companies that we're employed by. 
We have a good reputation that always precedes us. We're people of character. God, this only is possible by your grace. We humble ourselves in your presence and we say, God, empower us to be integrous. Empower us to be diligent, hardworking. Empower us to get your word in us and let your word come alive in our hearts and our minds. Empower us to pray. Empower us to stick to the commitments that we've made.